I'm Emma Davidson, Fashion Features Editor at Dazed, and welcome to this A Future World podcast, Where Next for the Fashion Industry. A Future World is Dazed's science meets pop culture platform, and there's loads of amazing editorial on the site right now, including features on the climate crisis, interviews with cyborgs, and visions of what the cities of the future might look like, so please check it out. Today we're talking fashion and its future. After 2020, what comes next? What has to change? And what would a utopian fashion system look like? I'm joined by two incredible creatives intent on making change. Bethany Williams, a British designer who puts social and environmental issues front and centre of her practice, and Anna Gloria Flores, an Italian artist and fashion designer who works with latex and creates new worlds using virtual reality. Welcome to you both and hello. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) So to start with, I'm wondering if you can tell me a little about your background and kind of how you got to where you are today. Bethany, if you want to start. I grew up in the Isle of Man and then came to, I went to Brighton to study critical fine art practice. So it was like art with theory. And I ended up working in, in fashion. Um, I, I, my mum is like a pattern cutter um, and I've kind of grown up with making in the household, but I didn't like want to go into fashion just because I just felt for me it was quite like problematic um and then but I ended up working in that field anyway because you know my love of textiles and my love of making um so yeah and then I worked in industry for three years and then I went to London College of Fashion to do my master's in menswear and then I've kind of been running my practice since since then yeah amazing thank you (laughs) and Anna so this is Anna Hello, everybody. Um, I have a very um, not linear memory of how I started working with clothes and the body and fashion. But uh, for what I can remember, I think my very first imprinting was with my matriarchal family. My grandmother was an embroiderer. My mom uh, was quite obsessed with garments um, as a way to empower herself. I remember her telling me this story that the first time she started working, she was 18, she comes from a pretty poor family. Her way to define her independence was to buy this pair of boots that she saw in a uh, boutique for months and months and months. And she would still have them when I was growing up. She raised me with this habit of like, we would open boxes and boxes of her old garments and each one of them had a story a story about my family, her childhood, her emancipation as a woman in the 70s. And I will, at some point, wear those same garments. So it started like that. I come from a very small town in the south of Italy. And it goes without saying that there was not much representation back in the 90s. There was no internet as much as it is now. There were no social media. I thought I was trapped in this reality where you were either one way or another. It was very binary. You were either uh, crazy or misfit or uh, you were part of the high society. And then there was me. (laughs) So I knew by the age of five that I would have left. And when I had to decide what to study at the age of 17, I just thought fashion was making so much sense because I used garment to express or to defeat myself for so many years. So I went to move to Milan, age 17, studied fashion design and theory at um, Institute of, well, Yad Modalab, it was called back then. Uh, so there was a lot of theory and that's what I liked the most. Um, we studied the history of fashion, the history of costumes, um, performing art, cinema. In school was when I started disliking fashion as a, as a business. And so as much as I tried to do a couple of internships, I moved to London after school for an internship at Alexander McQueen. I stayed there for a year. He was still alive. He was my most my strongest inspiration in terms of how fashion can be an art form especially to deal with those with your shadows and your demons but when i worked there i realized that the fashion system wasn't quite what i expected and that's when i uh, started my process of working almost like against it um 
And I can see that for the first, let's say, 10 years of my practice, I was working very much in the negative. So I was trying to um, run these labels, either working as a creative director for subversive uh, independent labels or with the, my own label. And I was always trying to work against the system. And the more I started learning about myself, the more I started accepting um, my intuition, the more I learned that working against something is not as productive as working towards what you believe. And yeah. that's when I started embracing my art and my practice at large. I stopped defining myself in any way. I sometimes say I'm an artist, sometimes I'm a researcher, sometimes I'm a theorist, sometimes, hey, again, I'm a fashion designer. <laughs> I, I really don't care anymore. Um, I just do my thing. And yeah, I finally find it extremely rewarding. And this is my story. I'm wondering from both of you, at what point, what was your first encounter with fashion or kind of understanding the power of it um, or understanding kind of the weight of fashion and, and the power it holds? Um, Bethany, do you want to go? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, because I was like not really wanting to engage engage with with it and trying to stay within like fine art and like theory. But obviously, like, I am a maker and, and like, I love, like, I love textiles. I, I love, I love making. So, you know, it, it was quite, like, contradictory for me. And then kind of, like, I then started working um, at, at Garage Magazine whilst I was still at university. And I remember, like, having a conversation with someone and they were like, well, you, you know, you can, if you, if you don't like what, what you see, you can, you know, make your own space that has your own values and you know bring people into that space that share the same values as you and kind of like you know and and that's how you create change so for me yeah it was it because I'd also then you know worked for other designers within those three years before going back to do my MA and I just didn't I didn't find a space where it was bringing all of my interests into the same space where I could work you know like like the environmental side and also the like social side and bringing those kind of interests all together. And then, yeah. And then once like creating that space, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible to see like the power that fashion has and the reach that it has also. And I think a lot of the social projects that we work alongside um, and what we kind of like at, you know, share those stories with our audience. It's a different audience and it can project, I think you can project so so much to a larger audience um, and has has so much power. And also like the, the power of making also through the projects that we work on, like the social manufacturing. Um, it's kind of like harnessing, you know, the power of making and how that can be so transformative for people also. So yeah, I think, yeah, it's, you know, through supply chain to the end, to the communication of the project. I think, you know, it's it's such a massive force that can be used for good. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so both of you came into fashion through kind of unusual means, kind of reluctantly even, maybe. Was there kind of a light bulb moment when you kind of thought, you know, I want to do my part in, in changing this industry? Could you pinpoint a specific moment or was it kind of, a series of things so for me the light bulb moment was um as i previously mentioned the opposite i thought fashion for me was a, an art practice and a performative um way of connect so a uh, passage from being individual to be connected to a wider to to the rest of humanity really um, the light bulb was when I started interacting within the fashion system and I realized that it is actually a business and I was not, um, I didn't want to engage with. Um, but then when I started working on my own projects and my own labels, my own label, I grew this sense of responsibility because it is indeed something impactful. You, we do have access to, we, we do need resources, both human resources and environmental resources in order to um, carry on uh, with our practice. And 
the light bulb was if there is not a, a reality in which I feel comfortable producing, why not just creating my own? And I've seen so many, because I've been training um, young designers when I, uh, since I was um, pretty young and I was uh, in direct contact with students back in 2000 when the conversation about well, 2010, let's say, when the conversation around um, environmental consciousness and fashion was way less progressive than now. Uh, so I realized that a lot of people just didn't know they had a, a plan B. They didn't know they had a chance to be part of the fashion system without necessarily uh, surrender to those structures. Um, I think now more than ever, uh, the conversation is becoming more and more urgent to the point in which I find myself wondering why are we even so obsessed <laughs> with keeping on indulging in this extremely damaging, extremely self-absorbed um, practice. And I think the conversation is becoming more and more inclusive from this point of view and to the point in which we are really wondering what if we just rethink the structure altogether? What if we start from zero again? What is it that we are really seeking to achieve? And what is it that we need to keep? And what is it that we can just mm, give up, really? And I think what we can keep is definitely the incredible, incredibly powerful um, power of fashion to create stories and to uh, communicate intentions. And I'm a strong believer that if you simulate a certain reality, that reality is already happening within our collective consciousness. So let's create um, a narrative that is um, resilient and that is um, regenerative and is mindful about uh, what every single action we take is gonna, what the impact that our actions are gonna are gonna be taking on 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 other people and the environment. Um, and I think that what we can really get rid of uh, very happily is the yeah con consumption point of view, like in the production. I think that the only way we in the fashion system can become really um, less destructive is to just well the way we can consume more consciously is to consume less first of all and uh, so really started wondering even through fashion conversations why why do I need so much why do, do I feel compelled to define myself through my ownership uh, my um, the objects that I that I display the way I present myself from the outside. Um, it's a little bit to me um, like, okay, I'm gonna binge on a cake. I know this is bad for me. So I'm gonna start binging on a low calorie cake. Yeah, but the problem was not the calories, was never the calories. The problem is why do I have this insatiable void that is pushing me into, hurting myself by nurturing my body in the wrong way yeah so yeah a lot of mini light bulbs that then started becoming a blackout <laughs> like a massive explosion <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um and bethany yeah um because i think i don't like i like was really interested in like environmental issues and the combination of like people and planet from school um, and you know like I, I volunteered with like like environmental charity in the Isle of Man and um, like I was like going to do sustainability at the only wanting the only place in the UK that did the course at the time but I went and did an art foundation um, and that was kind of like such a good year because it allowed me to kind of like explore creativity and combined that kind of side of my work with like the actual making side um, and then I ended up actually like going to Brighton and doing like fine art with theory so I was just always interested in like yeah the theory behind like the work 
Um, and I think, yeah, I just at that point then kind of started bringing all of my interests together, which was like environmental and people together. Um, and, you know, the idea of like craftsmanship and making and um, taking something discarded and giving it time. And, and that's kind of like a massive part of what I really love is seeing. Yeah. And then now like working with the social projects, you know, it's like transforming waste, giving it time and also like supporting people through the making process. And um, so I think it's just like, for me, it's been really amazing to see yeah, the power of, of making and how beneficial it can be um, and how positive it can be, you know, whereas what I was, you know, seeing, <laughs> I think I was, I this like the idea of like going into fashion, I was a bit scared of like the smoke and mirrors and the exclusivity and, you know, not making people not feel welcome. Whereas like I wanted to create a space where that, that didn't exist um yeah so it was kind of like piecing those kind of things together um and you know yeah I think it was about like yeah again like collaboration and creating your own space and not have to be also like put into a box you know like you know we we do work with galleries and you know as like as an artist and we do work as a designer and you know I think collaboration is so important for creativity of who you're working with because it brings a different insight a different skill set a different experience that you haven't so I think it's so important to to collaborate also um but yeah I kind of was concerned always kind of like environmentally concerned and the idea of like waste and mass production to me was quite like an overwhelming kind of thing and um the I think like the idea of like mass production as well like you know um there's like a theorist um Walter Benjamin who kind of talks about like the loss of the aura within within kind of like creative objects you know when they're mass produced and you know will we return to um you know a time where you know, things aren't mass produced and we're searching for the aura within within an object and knowing who the maker is and having that connection again. And I think like the idea of, you know, mass production has happened in actually quite a, a short space of time. You know, if you can think of like, like my, my like grandparents, you know, they would have garments that they know who the maker was. And, you know, within this kind of short amount of time to me, like that mass production has excelled so much but you know maybe to stop the kind of problems we need to turn back to like local production like localized mm. and knowing who our makers are um I think is like a really important a really important thing and valuing really valuing people that do make our, our garments yeah definitely I agree mm. I really strongly agree with Bethany and that will give us not just um a sense of humanity like the, the humane aspect of uh, an object but also it will um, make us participant in the the preservation of that value so it will make us more aware of what is it really behind the object itself and how to look after it preserve it and honor its, its existence so it's not just about uh, sustainability and the value of craft but the value of longevity and not just for the object itself but these three values they go hand by hand and I think they're very apply applicable to the way we live our lives in general so uh, even like how this reflects of the way we perceive our own bodies and the societal body and planet earth it's all like if we develop empathy towards one another and towards our surrounding, it will almost be, it will be so intuitive to act responsibly. It will be an act of self-love perpetuated in the collective. One thing that happens to me a lot is that people get in touch to me and they're somehow part of my community. They follow my work as an artist and, and they just tell me, what is it that I can buy? Because I just want to buy something that you made because I support your cause. 
And that for me is kind of symbolic of what we are really trying to, uh, to do and what we are talking about now. So um, all the exponential um, power that, that an object can, can englobate or uh, Bethany, you were calling it the aura. Yeah, I think yeah. this is a, a wonderful way to describe it. We are all like we are surrounded by huge horrors interconnecting. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so moving kind of on in a different direction, I'd just kind of like to talk about last year, the last, well, the last year, um, 2020, um, and how, how has that kind of changed you or changed your practice or your approach or kind of, you know, spurred, spurred you on or, or whatever? Yeah, I think with our practice, it hasn't really changed, you know, because we've been doing this since since we started, you know, so I think we've just gotten busier because people are kind of, I think, having this time, because I think like when I first graduated, I don't think people understood what I was trying to do. Um, like at all, like not not really like getting getting it. And I think it's like, you know, slowly, slowly people are like understanding like our practice and what, you know, we're, we're trying to do with like systems design. And then I think then, you know, for people having time to stop, you know, and not be in that kind of constant rat race, you know, I think people having time with their thoughts also and what they you know, having time to think what they want and what their, what kind of future they want. I think, you know, lot, we've had lots of approaches and become a lot busier, um, I think, because of the time. Um, so that's, it's been obviously like a really hard and horrible time. But I think it has been like a, a, a good pause, you know, to, for a reset, I, I think. Um but I think like within the time we, we also, um, I, I set up with like Phoebe English and Holly Fulton and Cosette McCreary, the Emergency Designer Network. And that for me was like a really amazing like moment, I think of for, for so many people coming together to support. And I think it really showed, showed us anyway, like the power of fashion, you know, like turning production into PPE and how many people supported, you know, from publications to, you know, people that have been like made redundant, like wanting to give their time, you know, to actually make, um, to, you know, people donating cloth to people donating their time or their courier services. So um, I think it really showed just how agile also the fashion industry is for to be able to change and just how hardworking everybody is also within fashion. Like, I feel like you, you know, like it's like you work so hard and it's every day you're like trying to make the impossible happen. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, I was, it, for me, it was like an amazing moment to just see coming togetherness and yeah, exactly like the power of fashion. And yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. So that kind of was like, yeah. And just like to show like logistics and systems design there is applied to solve a problem. So, you know, like kind of showing that designers are like problem solvers. Yeah. Um, so that I think for me was like a really just, it was just so powerful and really kind of meaningful to me to see everyone come together to do some to do something that was like an impossible thing that happened but in such a short time yeah it was it, that was a really inspiring moment like what oh. what fashion was doing and what you you guys were doing um like you say it does really prove that fashion can be agile and solve these problems and you know work in a way that is beneficial to society and etc so yeah um and so what's kind of the most shocking thing you've encountered in fashion or what most shocks you about fashion in 2021 things that are still happening or you know things that you think are kind of you know we should well be passed by now um Anna you were nodding then do you want to go first I find shocking that we are still so, so scared of letting go. And it's understandable because so many people uh, depend on it. You know, we're not just talking about a business like a block of um, concepts. We are talking about 
um, people having jobs, people having uh, developed a craft, and they're all dependent on this very dysfunctional um, structure. But I am still uh, a little, I, I am very concerned about the slowness in which we are making change within the fashion industry. There are certain things that, as much as it's scary, we need to let go. We need to stop. We just need to stop. Um, otherwise, we're not going to have enough time to uh, to grow um, as society. And I'm not even saying about saving the planet because, you know, I, <laughs> um, the planet is probably going to be fine in one million years, but it's it's just that we are completely destroying ourselves. We are destroying what keeps us alive. We are destroying our mother earth. And what, and it's just, a, I, I think it's just um, very dangerous what we are doing to ourselves through this, um, um, this blindness that we are sort of perpetrating. And as much as it's scary to, to, to give up a system that we have relied on for so long. Uh, it's also the only way we can grow within this physical reality. Um, yeah, and, and just create, co-create a happier and healthier society. Yeah. And um, Bethany? Yeah, I think, I think it's about like also like responsibility, you know, um, for instance, like our waste, like even, you know, if you take something to the charity shop, I can't remember the percentage, but I think it's like 10% of that is actually used. And the rest of it, you know, is sent, not like it's not sent, it doesn't end up in our landfill. It'll be sent to a different country and end up, end up in their landfill. Yeah. So, you know, we're not even taking responsibility of our overconsumption. And also, you know, we've taken advantage, you know, for like, um fast fashion taking advantage of other parts of the world to produce that you know coming it'll come to the uk and then go back in not even into our landfill it'll end up in another country's landfill so i just you know like it's like irresponsible behavior and we're not kind of we we don't have any consequences for our action in in our own country so i think that's kind of like for me a really big really problematic i think like it's really important, I think, around, you know, education also. And then, you know, it's really hard because, you know, like for us, like our products are super expensive because we're trying to do everything right. Um, but then obviously there's a proportion of people a lot cannot afford, can't afford like our clothes. Like I can't afford our clothes, you know. So it's <laughs> like, you know, it's being like realistic about, you know, not, you know, punishing people for buying fast fashion if that's the only thing that they can afford you know it's I think that's a really problematic area also um is affordability of of these products I think like education is super important as well like you know with a lot of the online and fast fashion companies you know you think you're returning your garment and that's going to be you know you'll order a size a small a medium and a large to try it you'll receive it and think that you're sending that back and they'll they'll repackage that and send that back out. Well, they won't, it'll go into a landfill, you know, because it costs more money for them to repackage it than to make the garment in the country that they're taking advantage of. So for me, like, it's this whole, like, problem. Um, But it's really important, I think, like, the buyer and the consumer has the power, you know, like, you know, with the money that you have, you can support a business or, you know, support it's like oxygen to a business is is finance so you know it's like I think the consumer you know has the power so I think that's like a really important thing is choosing who you're supporting in in their like their business and their business practices yeah definitely sorry uh, I just wanted to add what you say about education I strongly agree also because um the the client the um, the client buying your product is just one last bit of your process. And I think um, the most important part of being a fashion label that is um, conscious these days is that 
communication aspect. You don't need to own the garment in the end in order to be engaged with the message behind. You don't need to, your, um, your recipients of your um, message are not necessarily just the people that are gonna wear the garment. And when you say that the consumer has the power, so true, but at the same time, um, the going back to collective consciousness, we do live in a society that raises consumers that are not really uh, free to make their own choices uh, responsibly, because there is one main basic problem, which is we our basic needs are not met. Mm -hmm. And that's why we try to fill that void by consuming, consuming cheap products, consuming uh, unhealthy um, substances, consuming uh, trash TV. <laughs> we don't have the energy to really listen to our thoughts and listen to what really the deeper problem is, which that is the real problem is we live in a society that is not made around humans, is made around production and consumption. Mm. Yeah. I don't need the new Zara shirt if I'm fulfilled with my, I don't know, <laughs> the daily life and if I can enjoy the sun and the people that, are, that really care about me and make me feel enriched. Um, I don't know. It's, I think it's a much, much, much deeper and more complex um, problem of rewiring ourselves. Yeah. And do you feel like maybe this last year has kind of rewired people? I know personally mm. that I feel kind of slowing down and having this reset, I do feel a lot less compelled to be, you know, buying this to make myself feel better or whatever. Not to say I've not stopped completely, <laughs> but, you know, every now and then. But I, I really have, like, I'm appreciating so much more things that are going around me I feel like also yeah I have more kind of space to be mm -hmm. to be able to connect with myself even though you know we're also very busy but yeah I don't know how do you how do you feel about that yeah I think yeah definitely I feel like you know I've had more time with my thoughts this you know um and with myself you know which I usually like don't have and I think also like feeling a lot more grounded you know be not traveling and being on crazy schedules um yeah it's just been nice to like be grounded in one place um and have time with my thoughts and kind of understand myself a bit better as well yeah um I think definitely like it's been I think a really good healing time for me um to like understand yeah my view of my thoughts I think yeah it's obviously been very difficult for everyone but yeah I do feel like that there kind of has been that slowdown which has been mm -hmm. beneficial in some ways yeah but what absolutely. about you Anna yeah absolutely I'm I'm a fan of radical change so I was kind of <laughs> waiting for the disruption to happen but prior pandemic I used to think that those voices in my head were just me going crazy but it was just a, um, an intuition that, and then I saw as soon as things stopped, a lot of people go back to me telling me, oh, you know, I thought you were crazy, but now I'm starting understanding what you meant by just letting go altogether or cert of certain things that I thought were so necessary and finding out completely different values. And, you know, I'm not just the one who was waiting for this to happen. I'm also the one who used to take a flight every week. So I'm also talking about myself and how I was not only being uh, absolutely selfish about my choices in terms of carbon fossil fuel. Did I say that right? Fossil <laughs> fuel, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was being very selfish, like, oh, yeah, this is so bad. But my performance in that part of the world is very important also. So, yeah, I also, um, my life also changed dramatically. I haven't been in the sessile in the same place for more than a week in probably three years. And I even found myself sleeping for days, crying for days, 
doing nothing for days, not touching my phone for days, which was scary because all the, all those were my coping mechanisms, you know, mm-hmm. and I was deprived from all my coping mechanisms and I was uh, suddenly me sitting with my thoughts. And, but then after the fear and after the overwhelming what, what's happening, then there's a moment of enlightenment. And I, I really, really appreciate that, you know, with all the respect for all the losses and all the pain that this period has brought, I think it brought a necessary disruption. And my only, not fear, not concern, but my only hope is that it's not just a moment and that uh, at least some of us will take, even if the slightest change, we're going to be able to, you know, translated in our daily life, this is already a massive change. Yeah, totally. And so, Anna, you don't show on the fashion schedule at all. You're very much doing whatever you, whatever you want all around the world. Um, but, Bethany, you do. You know, have you kind of thought about what the future is going to look like for you in terms of showing at Fashion Week? Is it something you're reconsidering? Yeah, so we, we've done... We've, we've still doing, because we'll do two projects a year. So it's not really like seasonal. We don't do seasonal garments, but we'll do two projects. And then we've kind of had them falling at the buying schedule so that we can still fit in with the kind of, yeah, the buying schedule with the, with the buyers. But we've been, you know, like we delivered with with covid in like a year ago we are we were completely short with our whole supply chain for four months so you know like we were so worried with with our buyers you know like will like our orders get cancelled because there's literally there's literally nothing we could do um and they've been kind of like super supportive and like up for changing so then we did our next collection in September where we would usually be on the men's calendar um which was fine and then we've kind of we're launching a collection like in May. So this will be like not on the schedule. So we're just releasing it when it's ready. Um, so yeah, I think it's been really interesting because we've done things on schedule and then doing things off the schedule and just kind of like releasing work when it's ready. And I feel like because obviously we do sell to stockists, so they've kind of been really supportive and allowed us to kind of have that freedom. So I think it's been really beneficial for us, you know, because we've obviously been saying like we want to change a system. Um and we're like I think we we needed to kind of, you know, release stuff when things ready as well. Um, and I think this time has allowed more freedom with our with our buying appointments so that they didn't have to be at specific times, um, which has been really beneficial. So, and we're kind of also, you know, like our collection launch in September was a commission with Somerset House for like, for the flag and to do an exhibition. So it was really, to me, that was kind of quite a big moment to move into like the commission side, working like with, with galleries and institutions and working kind of like site specific. Um, and I think it's kind of like, I've done a bit of a circle. <laughs> so like, like starting from like the critical theory and kind of our area, like using kind of textile and supply chain and like kind of returning back to commission, like artistic worlds, you know, as well. So it's kind of like done it, done a new term, but, like, yeah, I think, like, the fashion side of it is the medium that we and the language that we use to tell the stories and create tangible change making. Um, so I think, yeah, it's like connecting all of that together. So I don't really know if I've answered the question there. <laughs> no, no, definitely you have. Um, and so um, I actually wanted to add something about the Fashion Week. There is one thing that I've appreciated about having certain dates uh, where people gather in terms of attention, especially if we want to propose new models. I, for sure, am not um, in within, you know, operating within the fashion business with myself, with my uh, latex and the Hydra project by itself. But I do um, have an ongoing project of creating direction and endorsement, let's say, of uh, I collaborate with a certain um, 
manufacturers that are really trying to establish a new way of working and they're extremely eco-conscious uh, driven businesses and are and they're circular and they're really investing all their uh, strength and knowledge into creating an alternative kind of business and i am i have this ongoing research i kind of fish them out and because hydra uniform as its own um, um offsprings i've created a, a series of uni wearable uniform let's say daily life um basics which are the hydra shoes in collaboration with tripen which is this historical shoe brand that has um, values that are pretty much in common with me although they are on the fashion business side and there's this the uh, hydra uniform denim is gonna be produced with black horse lane which is this incredible um, sustainable denim company yeah. and you know i think if there is one thing that brings value to the fashion week nowadays is the fact that it creates so much attention so if we want to open a door to a new conversation and introduce new ways of creating business this is the time instead of you know having it dissipated in random launches uh, so I guess from a capsule point of view and from a creating a statement, a fashion week could be, or if not fashion week, something similar to it, it could be a good platform. How would you rehaul fashion week and what would a utopian fashion system look like to both of you? First of all, I think that um, a digital fashion week to me makes so much more sense than a physical one. I have... Um, a little bit of nightmare memories of when I used to go to Paris Fashion Week or trade shows and it is scary. Like in terms of the amount of people moving from all the parts of the world to be able to get there in time. I think it's the magnitude of the negative impact for resources wise is it's unbearable and it's slightly grotesque. So I probably think that creating a platform where you know visibility can be increased amazing i think probably digitally could be um, the most functional one also to sort of equalize uh, the um, uh, the opportunities because some people just because they can't afford a trip to paris for 10 days maybe they are not able to create a platform for themselves and they have probably a much more meaningful, meaningful message compared to, you know, all those privileged that ones that keep on going to Fashion Week. And so it will be probably way more inclusive, way more diverse. Um, and I think this is what we need, not just in the fashion business, but we need to hear voices, especially from um, uh, minorities in every field that we, that we decide to, uh, to restructure. Uh, it can't keep on being just a privileged people and privileged businesses conversation. Ideally for me, fashion will become less and less about um, our, <laughs> I, I always think that humans have the, the amazing potential to be loving beings, but we also get very much distracted by our inflated egos. And <laughs> so I think that fashion can be quite, um, sometimes a, a beep show of egos <laughs> and i think the the ideal future for me is the focus on um, intelligent materials biocompatible uh, substances that can be implied for garments making and not only for the philosophical um, conversation on the augmented self but also try to be the less, to have the less impact on our environment possible and having this sort of just a balanced way of fulfilling our needs without necessarily having to destroy someone else's or something else's equilibrium. So that's my ideal. Yeah, I can, yeah, I really yeah, agree with, with, with Anna and, 
I think you know with the digitalization as well it's it's you know more people are able to access it and it's very much like more inclusive and to a larger audience and I think yeah it's super important to be hearing different voices and to to making fashion more inclusive um yeah so that's like for me a big a big part of it and then I think yeah really understanding like how harnessing the power of like yeah systems design um and like you know connecting waste streams to craft and like valuing valuing making again and valuing like the true value of 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 clothing and the true value of making like the the cost so I think yeah for me it's yeah really important about what value what value is um and inclusion yeah and so we kind of we've talked a lot about like negative aspects of the fashion industry and I think generally we do also focus quite a lot on the negative aspects of the fashion of the fashion industry but what excites you or makes you feel hopeful about fashion at the moment and kind of looking further into the future I think you know like when I was studying um like I was like the only person like thinking like this on on my course and you know when I go back and teach you know it's like like at least 70 percent I've got like these like alternative ideas so for me it's like really hopeful to see like the generation that are coming out of fashion education um you know and the next generation being so interested and I find that like super hopeful and you know to see like all new practices coming out and having such interesting ideas um, and like really forward thinking so for me like that kind of side of thing um yeah is is like really hopeful for me and like super important and I think you're yeah, having this like reset this year um I know it's been like so hard um you know but I think the reset has been has has been super important um yeah and I hope like this kind of alternative view and alternative thinking and like lateral thinking like can continues past the pandemic I agree uh, I think that lately uh, young designers and creators have been incredibly inspiring in their capacity to uh, create a narrative that is the present moment I think there's been a lot of growth in terms of the way we perceive ourselves within society. I am particularly interested in the capability of fashion as much as um, other visual arts really to turn utopia into a tangible reality. So accelerate the growth and also make it something that can become everybody's experience and not just something that you look at, but something that is your own, grows on your own skin. What I like the most and what has been the most inspiring to me is for sure in the way fashion has been describing um, uh, fluidity of our culture. So I particularly like the liberation of um, the, the, the deconstruction of binary structures. Um, speaking of gender, but going uh, as further as um, simply what it means to be human, what it looks like to be human. Um, I like that, that we are really, um, especially uh, when combined to digital fashion and digital art, we are really, if we see, I, I'm very positive about digital, digitalization and about technology in general. I think that once we recalibrate our intention, everything we have in our hands are just tools. And I think that uh, all those tools that let us um, reinvent reality and just appreciate how um, expansible and moldable reality really is, uh, that just opens not even portals, but like, um, dimensions that you know that we can co-create that are uh, just so interesting and so inspiring and yeah so much space for growth that that I'm really hopeful about I'm very excited yeah definitely and so fast forward to 2041 and what do you think fashion will look like <laughs> for me it's a little overwhelming to think that far um, positively <laughs> 
So I am trying to just take it day by day and every day trying to bring a contribution that is positive and see the positive, find the positive in every single aspect of our reality right now and do the, you know, next right thing. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes total sense. It is really hard to see into the future. Um, I mean, it's basically impossible. <laughs> and so kind of to round things off, I'm just kind of you're both like incredible designers who have such incredible visions and visions for society through fashion and art and design um I'm just kind of wondering what legacy do you hope to leave as a creative yeah I think um just like we've created like a blueprint do you know what I mean that can be applied to a different industry or like you know a, a different different designer you know like it's like a system that we've created that could be like applied so I think that for me is like like an important thing and you know we've we've started doing like every last Friday of the month um free uh one hour tutorials for anyone who um like emails for internships with us because we don't do any unpaid work but we wanted to like share like our studio information so we offer that time like whether it's like you know a sounding board or like information about supply chain um that's where we'll kind of like share our information and because I think it's really important that we all do that within industry to be able to move things forward and not like holding on to valuable like supply chain information is like unique selling point like I think that should be freely available and just making sure like we're um you know, arming like the next generation with as much information as possible for their for their like practices too. So that's kind of like a a big thing for me is like sharing of information to move industry forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that's such a nice thing to kind of consider that you'll do and like amazing that you're working with these kind of young designers and creatives. And what about you, Anna? More than leaving a legacy, um I I'm probably hoping to be more and more like Hydra to become just an example of inclusiveness and who, whatever it is that I'm trying to do and the values that I'm trying to follow for people that feel like they're like-minded to me no matter where they're coming from what they do to just co-create with them so become create a uh, become a community, a larger and larger community of people. So, yeah, it's it would be uh, more about r- relieve myself from the bondage of self the most possible and just dissolve into to this sort of co-creation of the future. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's such a nice place to leave it, I think. Um, but yeah, thank you both so much for your time. Um, it's been lovely yeah. speaking to you. It's, yeah, been really great. Oh, thank you thank so you. much. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>